I couldn't believe when the, uh, just this week, when, on Thursday, when I heard somebody on the radio say, can you believe it's only two weeks till Thanksgiving? And I literally went, oh, you know, it's just like, I can't believe this is creeping up on me. How many of you early go-getters already have started your Christmas shopping? Anybody? Oh, yeah, a lot of you have. You're really good. I think I've got one or two, two gifts. That's really good for me. I'm one of those guys that usually waits till December 22nd, you know, to see what's left. But I've already gotten started on that. How many of you use um, Amazon or delivery services? How many of you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Have any of you ever had packages stolen off your porch? How many have? Anybody have that? Ever have that? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. I didn't realize how prevalent that was. Every once in a while, I would see it on our neighbor app, you know, how somebody had a package delivered and got stolen. Um, but it's, it's amazing. Can you believe 23 million Americans have had packages stolen off their porch? And last year alone, 11 million packages were stolen. And I, I don't know about you, but I started thinking about, you know, COVID has made all of us kind of start thinking more about shopping online. And, you know, instead of going out and getting into crowds, and I, I wonder with all of that, you know, how many more packages this year are going to get taken? Well, what do you do about that? I mean, uh, you know, you find that perfect gift and you order it, and then, man, it gets taken. What, what can you do about that? Well, one guy thought of a solution. Watch this. Fed up with porch pirates stealing your Christmas presents? Try a booby trap package. This homeowner says he was so exasperated with front porch thievery, he rigged a package that detonates when it's lifted. It's completely harmless. It's just a really loud noise. Jeremy Barrow of Tacoma, Washington, told me his security cameras have caught a wave of would-be thieves getting the fright of their lives. What is the explosion? What is the noise that scares the uh, would-be robbers? It's a 12-gauge blank shotgun shell. About how many times has the device gone off? It's been about 15. I've had two in the last two weeks. Packages, two in the last two weeks. I don't know if you caught what he said, but he, he rigged this thing up with a blank 12-gauge shotgun shell. So when they pulled it, it, you know, it went, I thought, I'm watching this. I saw this this last year, and I started laughing. I thought, if, if this guy was from, he's from Tacoma, Washington. You know, they're kind of nice. If this guy would have been from Oklahoma, it would have been a real 12-gauge shotgun shell, you know. Yeah, you, you, get, you don't mess with Oklahoma and stuff. Yeah, but I thought about what, and I, I hit me this week when I was thinking about our message today. You know, last week we talked about, uh, we're starting this parable, the sower. And last year we talked about the fact that God is up to something. God is trying to sow some seeds in our lives. Uh, he's trying to do something in us, and he's trying to do something through us. And if you were here last week or watched online, uh, I talked about the fact, you know, God is trying to sow seeds of opportunity. He's trying to nudge us about some things that he wants to do through us. He's, he's trying to sow seeds of his love uh, and, and to reveal how much he really does love us and how much he really does want to change our lives. He, he's trying to sow seeds of warning. You know, often God is nudging us about things that we're, we're looking at and facing or maybe thinking about doing, and, and God is trying to say, no, don't do that. God is constantly sowing seeds in our lives. But here's the deal. I wonder why we don't always see those things. Why don't those seeds that God is sowing, why don't they always stay planted? 
Are you ready? They get stolen, just like the packages off our porch. Take your sermon outline out. Look with me. For those of you watching online, we'll throw it up on your, your screen for you. We're looking, at, we're looking at Matthew chapter 13. We're looking at this parable of the sower that's found in three of the four Gospels. And I want you to look at what Jesus says. And pick up from where we talked, started off last week. Listen, a father went out, or farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his fields, some seeds fell on a footpath. And what happened? The birds came and ate them. Now, What's the meaning behind that? Well, Jesus explains this parable in all three gospels, and here's what he says. Read that, read that next part with me. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Who steals it? Who does? Satan does. Okay, now look at me. Do you believe that? I want to talk about this enemy that we face today because here's what I want you to know. Just as surely as God is up to something in your life, just as surely as he is trying to speak to you, work in you, and work through you, there is an enemy as well who is trying to steal those seeds away. Can we unpack this together today? Now, I, I, wanna, I, I want this today, this is going to be mostly informational for you. Uh, today, what I want to do is I want to heighten your awareness. Uh, I, want to, I want you to realize this battleground is going on. What I discovered, for those of you who track with me on my Wednesday devotionals, I spent about five weeks talking about the enemy and kind of how he works. And one of the things I've become very aware of is that a lot of times we're just really blind to this warfare that is going on all around us and for us. And I want to just unpack some of this together today just to help you understand who this enemy is and what he does. Are you ready? We'll move through this pretty quick. Here's the first thing I want to say to you if you want to track with me on your outline. First thing I want to say to you is this. He's real. He's real. Again, I I think a lot of times when we think about spiritual matters, uh, there are a lot of people who, you know, struggle to believe in God. But those of us who do believe in God, there are some of us who say, well, I believe in God, but I'm not so sure about this devil thing. Uh, it always remind me of the story of the two little boys who had been in Sunday school class together where the Sunday school teacher had talked about the devil that day. And when the boys were going out of class, and one boy looks at the other boy and he says, well, you know, what do you think about this devil thing that the teacher was talking about? And the other little boy said, well, I kind of think it's probably just like what we discovered about Santa Claus. It's probably your dad. <laughs> well, that could be. There could be some homes where that, that, might, be, that might be true. But he really is real. Uh, if you go back to Scripture, here's what you're going to discover. If, even if you don't believe in, in, in the devil, guess what? Jesus did. And Jesus spoke about Satan on many occasions. Look at John 10, 10. One of the things when Jesus described this battle that I'm talking about today. Read the verse out loud with me. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, Jesus says, here's what's going on. You know, I've come to do this great work in you. I've come to breathe life into you. I've come for you to discover all that you are and all that you can be uh, through God's Holy Spirit. But the enemy, he wants to steal that. He wants to kill that in you. He wants to destroy your life. And that's the battle that's going on. Peter believed that, that the enemy was real. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Read this out loud with me. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, if you go through Scripture, you're going to find that the Bible talks a lot about this enemy. Uh, and it's over and over again, it's really clear that God does not want us to be ignorant or unaware of this battle that's taking place. In fact, throw that, throw that picture up on the screen for me. Look at all the, these are just a few, but look at this, the different names and the different references that refer to, to Satan. He's called the accuser. He's called the adversary. He's called the ancient serpent. He's called Beelzebub, Belial, the devil, dragon, enemy, the evil one, the God of this world, liar, murderer. He's a prince of demons, prince of the power of the air, roaring lion, ruler of this world, Satan, tempter. I, I guarantee you this, the enemy does not want you to believe that he's real. Now, so often, you know, when we think about the devil, we think of, you know, this guy with horns and, a, you know, it's all red with a long pointy tail and that kind of thing, which is probably one of the reasons why we don't think the devil is real. I want you to discover today, he's a lot more subtle than that. Look at me. He's a lot more handsome than that. He comes to you a lot more attractive than we think he does, which is why we're not always aware that it's him at work. Amen? And I know, let's just kind of, Pastor Steve, what do you, what do you mean? How, how does the enemy steal the seeds away. I mean, and what does he do to not really let me hear God's words of opportunity or hear God's warning? Well, there's a few things. First thing I'm going to tell you about is he lies. He lies. I love how Jesus described the devil in John 8, He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Read it with me. I love this. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the follower of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. He said, how can you tell when Satan's lying? His lips are moving. You know, that's what he does. And that's the part that we don't always understand. This enemy is a liar. What does that look like? That means when you are feeling those seeds of, of God giving you an opportunity. You know, when, you are, when you're feeling that nudge of God, that he wants you to do something, that he, he wants to stretch you, to step out on something, you, you'll start hearing this voice saying, you could never do that. You'll fall flat on your face. You will fail. What's he doing? He's lying to you. When, when you begin to see these seeds and, and you begin to sense that God is a God of love, that God is a God of grace, that he is a God of mercy, that he is a God who is for you, you start, you start hearing this voice in your ear, God wants to get you. God is unhappy with you. God, God, God wants is that you know, cosmic cop following you around saying, go ahead, make my day. You know, We get those images. What's that all about? That's the enemy lying to us. 
when God is sowing those seeds of warning, and he's trying to warn us about things that we're looking at, things that we're thinking about, directions that we're going, what does the enemy do? He lies. How many of you have ever been lied to? Look at me. You're lied to every day of your life. We call it advertising. Amen? How many of you have ever seen something, a picture of something, and when you got it, it wasn't nearly what you saw it was? Yeah, you thought it was, yeah. yeah. How about this? You'll, you'll, some of you will be able to identify. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's what an Arby's beef and cheddar is advertised as. Come on. That's what it actually looks like. <laughs> Amen? Oh, how about this? Throw that next one up. That's what, a, that's what a McDonald's Big Mac is advertised as. But that's what it actually looks like <laughs> when you get it. Throw the next one up on the screen. That's what a Subway sandwich is advertised as. But when you get it, nah, it doesn't quite look like that. How about the, throw that next one up? This is a Whopper. Look at this is what a Whopper is advertised as. I've never had a Whopper that looked like that. I mean, Burger King's right here, man. We've, we've eaten all the time. That's, not, that's what it actually looks like. How about Taco Bell? I just took my grandkids to Taco Bell. That's what a taco looks like, advertised that. That's what it actually is. Amen? Now, if you can get that, then you understand. This is what the enemy does. When he's trying to tempt you, he's trying to picture this thing in your mind. Oh, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to feel like. This is what the reality was going to be. And, and how many of us have followed that track and gone down that only to discover he lied to us? That's what he does. He's a liar. Sometimes when he lies... Um, it's half-truth. Sometimes a part of what he's saying may be true, but it's not really true. You remember the story of Adam and Eve in the garden when he, you know, the enemy was trying to get them to eat from, the knowledge of, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he, he said, what did God say? You, he, said, he said, you would die. You will not surely die. And he was telling a half-truth. Well, you may not die immediately, but now you are going to die. And, that's, and that's exactly what he does. Sometimes, here's the real killer, sometimes when the enemy lies, he makes us think that it's from God. 2 Corinthians 11, 14, on your outline, Paul says, but I'm not surprised he was talking about false prophets and what they were doing. Read that bold part with me. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So interesting to me, particularly being a pastor for 40 years, how many times I've witnessed this, where people feel like they're getting a nudge from God, but instead of checking it out and really seeing it through, they simply react in it and they discover later this really wasn't God at all. You know, several years ago, there was a, a professor at a, at a Christian university who um, had a student that went home to his home church and, and uh, told some things to his pastor about the things that he said that this professor was teaching. 
And it was actually about the professor having the students do some reading that showed some contrasting points of view, but basically accused this professor of teaching things that are anti-biblical. And the professor, the, the pastor that the kid told this to got all up in arms and decided that this professor had to go, and he started a campaign. This is back before the Internet days, but he started writing pastors all across country accusing this professor of all of this. And when it was all said and done, look at me, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. And I, and I know this pastor probably thought he was doing something good. He was taking a stand for God. He was, he was doing something really good, but, but what he was doing was creating division. What he was doing was just decimating somebody's reputation. What he was doing was attacking someone's character without ever contacting them and asking them the question, is this really true? Are you getting this? Now, hear my heart, folks. Not that there's not a time to stand. Not that there's not a time to, to call out things that need to be called out. Not that there's not a time to do that. But when we allow the enemy to do it, you know what? He creates confusion and division because he's a liar. And that's what he does. Kind of connected to that, the enemy also, he minimizes. He minimizes. And the way that he minimizes is he, he, will, he will tell us things that say, you know what, it, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, again, when, when God is trying to move you to, 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 to you feel this nudge that God wants you to, to teach a class or God wants you to start a new ministry. You know, a lot of times we, we hear this voice whispering in our ears that, oh, you know, what, what, if, what if you fail? What if, what if nobody shows up? What if no one wants to be a part of that? What, what if, what if, what if? And a lot of times the enemy tries to minimize these things that God wants to do. Um, you know, several years ago when I, when I was pastoring in Phoenix, I had a, a woman in our church who had gone through a, a really difficult time uh, struggling with addiction. And as a result of her alcoholism, she actually ended up um, homeless uh, for a few weeks and lived behind a dumpster at a Home Depot. When she, uh, when she finally became clean and sober and when she turned her life over to God, uh, she came in one day and, and talked to me about, she goes, Pastor Steve, I, I feel like God is nudging me to do something for the homeless. She goes, man, when I lived on the street, I developed such a heart for these people who are struggling for survival. She goes, I, I, I kind of feel like God maybe wants me to do something, but I, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, it's, it's me. I don't have a degree. I don't have any of these things. And, and she had a lot of self-doubt. And so we just, we prayed about it. We brainstormed together. And she came back in. I don't forget, she came back in and she said, Pastor Steve, could we do a, a, a Thanksgiving dinner in the park for the homeless? And I was like, Wow, and she said, you know, a lot of homeless people won't come to a church because they're afraid, you know, how they'll be received. But what if we created a Thanksgiving dinner and took it to the parks? Because I know a park where a lot of homeless gather, and we, we started brainstorming this. And so we put up posters and said that we were going to do this, and it was, it was unreal. 
That very first Thanksgiving when we had the Thanksgiving in the park and several of our, a whole bunch of our people served and these homeless people came through, over 200 homeless people came through and we, we were able to feed them lunch and let them eat as much as they want and we were able to mingle and talk and share. The next year we, we decided we've got to do this again. Of course, the next year the word really got around and now we're like 350, 400 homeless people coming through and we had added some, some clothes that we could give and all of this kind of stuff and I'll never forget, I'm sitting across the table from this guy who, who was there at having lunch, and we were just kind of chatting a little bit, and somebody walks by and from the church that knew me, and they said, happy Thanksgiving, pastor. And I said, happy Thanksgiving. And I looked up, and this guy's going, you're the pastor? And I said, yes, I'm sorry. This is as good as it gets, right? You know, kind of you know, and, and, and he, he was so, he grabbed my hands. He said, Pastor, he said, it's so good to meet you. He says, a year ago, I came to this lunch. He goes, I was homeless. I was living just not far from this park. And he said, I heard about this, you know, this lunch. He said, I couldn't believe that church was going to do this. And, and so I came and he said, I thought there had to be a catch, but there wasn't. He goes, I got free food. And he goes, I was sitting at a table. And he said, one of your parishioners was sitting across the table from me. He goes, and we got talking and and he, then I said, he said, I just started sharing about the fact that I was an addict and, and I was struggling. And he said, your parishioner looked at me and said, I have been where you are. He said, and your parishioner shared with me the struggle that he had had with addiction and how he had found Jesus Christ and how he had got his life clean and sober and what God had done. And he said, I, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ last year as my Savior. And he said, he gave me some information about where I could go to get help. He goes, I took him up on that. I went. He goes, I'm clean and sober and I've been working a job and I have my own place. And I came back this year just to see if there was any way that I could help. Now, there was story after story after story. Here's what I want you to get. Story after story like that, that could have never happened. If this young lady who came to my office would have let the enemy minimize what she was about to try to do. Does this make sense to you? Because that's what he does. He wants to make you believe that it really won't make a difference if you do or you don't. But it will. Or how about when God is trying to warn us? <laughs> well, God is trying to say, you know, don't do this. Don't move in this direction. You know, I wonder how many of us have heard that minimizing voice that says, you know what? It's not that bad. Everybody does it. Um, nobody will ever know. <laughs> and he minimizes. There was a guy two months ago, you may have seen this in the news. There was a guy in Florida. His name was uh, Bounty Shamblers. Uh, Shamari, and he, uh, he had been out uh, drinking and he decided, like a lot of folks do sometimes when they've had a little too much to drink, that he was still cognizant enough to drive himself home. And uh, here's what happened. Throw that picture up on the screen. He crashes into this sign in the middle of the street and when the police arrived to find him sitting there in his Mazda, dazed, they did a sobriety test and found out that his blood alcohol count was actually over twice the legal limit. What was wild, this is the sign that he hit. Throw that next picture up on the screen. <laughs> now, I guarantee you, 
This man in his right mind knew that he shouldn't be behind a wheel, but, but there's that minimizing voice that says, you've got this, you can handle it, it's not that big a deal, there's nobody out on the street, all, all of these kinds of things. No, none of us who end up down this path ever start, want to get down that path, we just go that way. I love how in, in Proverbs, he's talking, I was thinking about this when I, I read that story about how Proverbs talks about, you know, those of us who, for, for whom alcohol was one of our challenges. I, I love how Eugene Peterson translated in the message. He says, who are the people who are always crying the blues? Who do you know that reeks of self-pity? Who keeps getting beat up for no reason at all? Whose eyes are bleary and bloodshot? It's those who spend the night with a bottle for whom drinking is serious business. Don't judge wine by its label or its bouquet or its full body flavor. Judge it rather by the hangover it leaves you with. The splitting headache, the queasy stomach. Do you really prefer seeing double with your speech all slurred, reeling and seasick, drunk as a sailor? And all of us who have been down that road could go, amen. You know, I, I come from a long line of addiction. And I, I had a cousin who posted just a couple weeks ago what I thought was just a profound thing on Facebook. And and she just talked about being sensitive to people who struggle with addictions. And here's what she said, and I thought this was so true. It goes back to the minimizing. She said, no one ever starts out to become an addict. No one just one day decides, I want to be addicted to drugs. I want to be addicted to alcohol. I want to be addicted to gambling. Nobody ever starts out that way, but here's what happens. We take a step in that direction, and we hear the enemy say, it's okay. You've got this under control. How does he steal those seeds? He minimizes. He minimizes. Let me give you another one. He tries to get you to procrastinate. He tries to steal the seeds by getting you to procrastinate. Come on. It's just us. It's church. Sunday morning. Great place to confess. How many of you would be honest enough to admit you are world-class procrastinators? Yes, why would I do this today when I can do this tomorrow, you know? And this is exactly what the enemy does. You know, when, when he knows that we're trying to lean into God, he, he tries to slow that process down. I put on your outline some of the things that he says. He'll say things like, the time's not right. Or he'll say, you're not ready. Or he says, you know what? You'll get to it eventually. You'll get to it eventually. I always loved the old fable about Satan sending three brand new demons to earth and they had just gotten through their demon school, you know, and they're all ready and each, each one has to have kind of a specialty and a forte and devil's talking to the first demon and he says, so, so what are you going to tell people when you get to earth? And the demon smiles and says, I'm going to tell people there's no heaven. I'm going to tell them there's no heaven. He goes, why, why, should they, why should they be good? Why should they follow God? Why should they read the Bible if there's no heaven? The devil said, that's pretty good. Turns to the second demon, so what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to tell them there's no hell. I'm going to tell them there's no bad place. You can live what you want, do what you want, be what you want. It doesn't really matter because there's no hell. There's no such thing as hell. The devil goes, that's pretty good too. He turns to the third demon. He says, so what are you going to say to people? He goes, I've got it. I'm going to tell people there's no hurry. There's no hurry. And the devil said, you're the wisest one of all. Because as long as people believe that they still have a tomorrow, 
they won't worry about changing their life today. You know, I've got some relatives that I'll never forget being at my grandmother's house. My grandmother talking to a couple of her sons and another one of my relatives about the need for them to get their lives turned around. And I'll never forget one of my one of my relatives looked at my grandmother and said, you saved me a seat in church. I'll be there one day. I'll be there one day. And then he died. You see, sometimes the enemy tries to make you procrastinate these things that God is doing because he knows something that you and I don't always know. Life is short. You get one shot at it. What God gives us, we need to respond to today. Amen? I mean, can I give you one more? This one really hurts. One of the ways that the enemy tries to steal those seeds that God is planting is he tries to get you to think only about you. He tries to get you to think only about you. Interesting little insight. Remember the story in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve sin, and they, 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 they fall. When sin came into the world, I want you to look at what happens in, verse, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. One of the very first things that happened after they had sinned, and it talks about their eyes were opened. Look at what it says. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, read it with me, and they realized they were naked. Now, when you read that, that kind of blows right by you, but here, here's what I want you to get. You understand that up until the time when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, when in, in their perfection, they only had eyes for each other. Their eyes were fixed upon each other. They, their eyes were out here. Uh, and all of a sudden, when sin entered in, guess what happened? They started looking at themselves, and they were going, oh, no, oh, no. And that's what happened. The enemy wants us to turn our eyes away from those who are out there and only think of us. Now, come on, it's just, it's just us this morning, but think with me for a second. How many bad decisions in our lives have we made because we really never took the time to think about the other people who are involved in our lives. The enemy wants us to be consumed with ourselves. I'm going to have Rachel come on back and she's going to lead us in a song in just a second. Now I know I've given you um, a bit of a downer today. I know talking about the, the enemy is not the most uplifting of themes, but I need you to know today, he is real. He does want you. Jesus said, this thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And one of the biggest mistakes that you and I can make in our journey of faith is to minimize what the enemy's up to. That's the bad news. Look at me, but here's the good news. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I'm gonna say that again. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I, I, I don't want you to be afraid of the devil. I want you to be aware of him. 
I want you to know how he works. I want you to wake up tomorrow with the realization in your mind that the enemy wants to steal every seed that God is trying to plant in you. I want that to be there in the back of that mind. But here's what I do. I want you to walk in the victory that God has promised you. I want you to live with that sense that this God who is in me, this spirit of God that is in me, can overcome the enemy in all his way. The enemy is smart, but God is wise. The enemy's strong, but our God is all-powerful. And I'm going to tell you the truth. If you were left to yourself, the enemy would beat you every time. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Amen. Scripture says, draw near to God. And what will God do? He'll draw near to you. He says, resist the enemy. And what does Satan do? He flees. He's a coward. He knows he can't stand in the presence of God. And so today, when we leave here, I I want you to leave aware. I I want you to leave smart. I want you to leave being aware. But I want you to leave knowing that you are an overcomer through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the way I want to end today is I want us to stand to our feet. And I want us to sing a song of victory. I want this song to resonate through this room where we look the enemy in the eye and we know we know you're there. We know who you are and we will not fall and we will not fail by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you so grateful that even though the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, We are so thankful that we are servants of the Lion of Judah and that your power is so much greater still. Lord, we know the enemy is smart. We know that he is crafty. We know that there are a thousand ways that he tries to steal the seeds that you are trying to plant in our life. Some of us, God, you've been trying to plant seeds of hope and he's been stealing them away. And all we can see is negativity. All we can see are obstacles and problems. But we rebuke him today, Lord, in all of his ways. And we declare that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So, Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us discernment, that you would give us, Lord, that that capacity each and every day to step into who you are. Your word proclaims that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Father, today, I pray for each and every person who is here. I know the enemy's trying to steal their seeds, Lord. I know he's trying to take everything that you're trying to do in their life. But today, oh God, would you breathe into them a fresh new vibrancy and strength? Would you help them to learn the art of leaning into you each and every day that you might fill their cup to overflowing? Ah, Father, we thank you today. That no matter what the enemy does, as we cling to you, we are safe in your arms. You are our protector. You are our deliverer. That you are our salvation. 
Father, I pray today, I, I know that there have maybe been many seeds that you've been trying to plant in some of us, and we've not been receiving them because we have been believing the eyes or believing the lies or believing the minimizing or, or procrastinating. But today, Father, I pray that you would help our eyes to be open and our hearts to be sensitive to those things that you are wanting to do. You are sowing seeds in our lives every day. Help us through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to receive them and let them grow. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. 